Hello and welcome to another episode of the GFFN Players Podcast. This week, we're talking about Axel Dizazi, 22-year-old centre-back from Stade de Reims. I'm Pierre-Paul Birmingham. Here today is Clinton McDubbis. Hi, Clinton. Hi, hi. Very happy to be here. Nice to have you on. I hope you're holding on safe right now. Yeah, yeah. I am hiding okay. away somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. So <laughs> perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, we hope everyone out there is safe and, and that you're all as lucky as, as Clinton and I have been so far. Uh, but we're going to be talking about football today. Uh, even though there's no football going on, there's still plenty of stories to be told and, and, and players to talk about. And uh, Axel Dizazi today. Uh, now, Clinton, Axel, was, uh, Axel Dizazi was in the news uh, last week when L'Equipe reported that Arsenal was given a, a price tag for him uh, from Reims of about uh, 20 million euros, I think. Yeah, so so what do you think of that story before we get into who Dizazi is and so on? Uh, how how realistic does that does that sound to you? Well, um, in terms of the way Dizazi has played this season and all the attention on him, it's not a surprising to a club like Arsenal. But at the same time, looking at Arsenal and um, their recent activity in the market, I mean, they just got Saliba who is going to um, head back there once he's done with his loan at Saint-Étienne. And then they, they signed Pablo Mari as well, also a centre-back. So I'm wondering where um, this actually fits in into their plans here now, because he's, he's 22 years old. And um, if you're signing him, what what's, what are you using him for? Are you trying to get rid of um, David Luiz and Mustafi? And mm. you know, the other guys, uh, Socrates, or I mean, I'm wondering what the plan is because it's like they're just stacking centre back. So I'm inclined to, even though the, the the reports look very very strong, they've grown in the past few days. I'm I'm struggling to see how or what the plan is. Mm. I think that's a good point you make because Arsenal does have a lot of centre backs at the moment, even though uh, as we know there is a, a defensive problem. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know that's. If you count them, it's David Luiz, Socrates, uh, Mustafi, Chambers Holding, Mavropanos yes. and Saliba on loan. Pablo Mari, okay. you mentioned, he's a loanee to yeah. Arsenal, but he says he wants to stay. So that's eight yeah. guys yeah. already. Um, some some of them would have to leave, and we don't know at the moment who, who that would be. Um, yeah. And yeah, it, I think it's it's credible that Dizazi is attracting attention from big clubs, and we're going to talk about that, of course. Uh, yeah. But it could be Reims trying to uh, trying to get a price tag out there on the market, really. Um, yeah. And we'll talk a little bit more about uh, how he might fit in at Arsenal later on in, in this podcast. Uh, but should we start by talking a little bit about you know who he is, where he where he came from, how did uh, Axel Dizazi get his break into the football world? Uh, Clinton, where should we start this story? Should we start it in 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 Paris or just outside Paris? Yeah, yeah, I think it um, just outside Paris, I guess. Uh, mm. I know he he spent 
um, he joined um, a local club when he was about six years old and he was there till about 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I'm pronouncing that right, yeah? <laughs> so, Close yeah. enough. From, from, from um, age six to age 15, he was there before he moved to another club in the area, um, USM St. Louis. He was there for a year and then he joined the Paris FC Academy in 2014, age 16. So age 16. that's like, yeah. In the kind of attention he's gotten recently, he's been presented as somewhat of a late bloomer, um, maybe in part because he didn't you know, join a big youth academy until he was uh, 15 or, or 16. But yeah. once he made it to Paris FC, he made his debut at 17. Yeah, uh, apparently he was in high school at the time and Paris FC had some notable absences in defense and they had this big clash against RC Lons coming up and um, manager at the time, Jean-Luc Vasseur, who is the current manager of Lyon Feminine, he he decided to just throw Sassi in, you know, for his debut. And at the time, Sassi was going to training and then to class and all of that. And then he just went straight in and they lost the game 1-0 apparently, but he, he gave a very good account of himself. And Vasseur was training around that time i saw some quotes about how he felt Sassi was the future of the club and had amazing qualities and he was so sure that you know the pressure wasn't going to get to him so i mean that's that's a remarkable story yeah that is very interesting and i saw i was looking through kind of reports at the time and they were saying already then when he was 17 that he was one meter 90 tall and, and 86 kilograms which is yeah. pretty much what he is today. So for a seventeen-year-old, um, <laughs> he, he certainly, huge. yeah. <laughs> um, and that's why I think when he wasn't kind of, uh, well, he he was, uh, how would you say it in English? Sorry, uh, put in the class above. I mean, instead of playing with the U17s, he would be usually playing with the U19s and so on. Yeah. Uh, when he was at at Paris FC, um, he made four appearances in that season. Uh, sorry, he made three appearances in that three season. Appearances, yeah. But it wasn't a very good season for Paris FC, who only had four wins all year long, uh, and, and got relegated. Uh, well, logically, I guess. Um, yeah. And on that occasion, he moved to Reims, uh, signing actually with the academy, not on a professional contract. Yeah, I I I have a great quote from. Um, the, the um, I think the director of the academy, Mathieu Lacan, I think that's his name. Apparently, Dissasi mm-hmm. played against the Rams under-19 team, who were very hot at the time. And Lacan, I think that was where Lacan saw him and was very fascinated by the player. Yeah, that that, has, said, that U19 team was the champion of France in the U19 yeah. uh, with uh, on the in that side, yeah. Yeah, and said... Um, the quote is, I realized that he had great potential. I've rarely seen such serenity in such a young player. He's so advanced. In addition to his athleticism, his great qualities is intelligence. He quickly understands. And that's that's a quote from mm-hmm. like way back in 2015, late mm-hmm. 2015, early 2016. So it's, it's remarkable. Yeah. And what's more is that even though he didn't sign a professional contract, even though he had uh, at that point, just turned 18, which meant that he could have. Um, he he did play through preseason in 2016 uh, with the first team. 
at that time, Reims had also been relegated into Ligue 2. The manager was Michel Derzakarian, who uh, obviously Ligue 1 fans will be familiar with him, will know that he has a certain, uh, he puts a certain emphasis on the defensive side of his teams at yeah. times. Obviously interesting for any defender to, to work with that kind of manager. Um, in that season, did he play much for Reims, Clinton? In 2016-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2017-2
he was in the rotation at the back because yeah. uh, Younes Abdelhamid, who's, Abdelhamid, who's still there, and, and Julien Janvier, who went to, uh, did he go to Brentford or somewhere in, in the Football League, in the yeah. English Football League? Um, they were the Brentford. starters. Yeah. Uh, he played one match or maybe one or two at left back to help out, uh, which did not turn out very well for him. Um, they lost an away <laughs> match to Clermont where he was, uh, uh, you know, completely run over by by the Clermont wingers. And uh, even though people have noticed that he's occasionally been played as a fullback, uh, I certainly think it's not his 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 strong point it's right not, there. Not. Yeah. He's <laughs> way better in center. Yeah. That season, he also... Uh, made his debut for the French U20 side. Uh, he played three matches total for them. And he signed his first professional contract in uh, for Reims. That was in November of 2017. So he signed a contract lasting until 2021, which uh, that's next summer. Uh, and uh, that's, you know, part of the reason why Reims would be interested in selling him right now is that yeah. his, his contract status is... Uh, it, well, you know, there's a blockage there, Clinton. We know some details, don't we? Yeah, um, he's not. He's, he's most likely not going to sign a new deal. I think um, they probably left it too late. They, they should probably have given him a new contract um, at the start of the season or something, because mm. now his his hot property is attracting a lot of attention, and he knows that. You know, he, he, I know he wouldn't want to a situation where. And big teams will be scared away because of the price, you know, put on his head. So it's better mm-hmm. for him not to sign and just, you know, force them to sell him this this summer. And um, I know that there have been some arguments between um, or some some war of words between his brother and um, his elder brother and um, those in charge at, at um, Rhymes because they they were not they were not happy. I saw a quote somewhere about. Um, how he shouldn't be listening to, you know, people who don't have an understanding of the sport and the market and all of that. Basically, they're <laughs> upset because they feel that, you know, his, his yes. head has been turned and he's probably going to want to go. So um, I think I think um, they should have resolved this at least 10 months ago or something because now it's a bit too late. They have well, to the sell. thing is, you know, at, at the start of this season, there were still question marks right because last year yeah. for the first season back in Ligue 1 he barely played um yeah. he was obstructed i guess by Abdelhamid and, and Bjorn Engels uh yeah. you know the two of them hardly missed the match um his one start in in Ligue 1 all season came on the last day against PSG uh which you know to his credit that was a very good match uh he had, in he which had he performed well it's in class, is that yeah? <laughs> um, so Reims won that that match for anybody who doesn't remember it, three uh, one. It, it it was quite impressive, but for most of that season he was playing with the reserve, which the Reims reserves plays in in the fourth division of French football. Um, by all accounts, he was quite an important player for the reserves, actually. Um, you know, some somewhat of a leader for them. I had the chance of watching them play uh, once when it was a derby against uh, Sedan, who were also in, in fourth division. So it was an interesting thing to go watch. And he, 
I mean, he stood out because he seemed a lot bigger than, you know, most of the players in, in the <laughs> reserve. <laughs> um, this was a team that had Moreto Kasama, who has come through to the first team now, who's, yeah. I mean, he's tiny. I love that guy. I love yeah. that guy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he's, he's been very impressive too. Um, you know, maybe we'll have a podcast on him at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so there were question marks as to, you know, could he make it in the first team in Liga this season? And, uh, well, Clinton, I'll let you take over from here because... <laughs> <laughs> well, um, obviously, I, um, they, they probably didn't anticipate that he would, you know, do so well, so mm-hmm. fast and, you know, attract so much attention. They were probably counting on... You know, checking him out for about four or five months and seeing how well how well he'll do before offering him a, a contract, a new contract or something. But I think they really dropped the ball because he's he's <laughs> been super impressive. I mean, last season they considered uh, 42 goals or so, and now they've considered just 21 after um, 28 games. So with just 10 games left in the season, they've considered like just half of what they considered last season. I, I have a stat for you. Only okay. in, in any team of out of the top five uh, European leagues, only Real Madrid has fewer goals conceded than Reims yeah. with 19. Um, Reims yeah. are tied with Liverpool and Liverpool. Atletico Madrid yeah. for the that's, record. That's, that's, I mean, <laughs> obviously much respect to them, but they don't belong in that, you know, mm-hmm. sentence. Real Madrid, Liverpool, these are European um, European powerhouses plus Atletico Madrid and then you just see Rhymes and you're wondering <laughs> what's going on? Who are these guys? And then you check them out and then you see that. I mean, obviously for people who don't follow French football, it comes as a surprise. I, we know that they went to Paris and beat PSG 2-0, kept a clean sheet there as well, so mm. it's no fluke. And they, they've had really good... They also beat Marseille away you know, on the opening day of the season, so They've been so good defensively. And, of course, Sassi is one of the reasons why he's been immense, immense, absolutely immense alongside um, Eunice. Obviously, Eunice is the leader in defense. He's the guy who, you know, orchestrates everything. And for me, I think Eunice has been easily the best defender in the league. But Sassi um, mm. is the risk taker, in my opinion. He's the guy who who takes the risk, so, which is why he has he has caused two penalties this season. But, <laughs> I mean, that, that's what comes with it. But he's young and mm. that's expected. But he's like the risk taker. He's the one who just dives into dwells. I remember um, against Strasbourg, Junius was struggling against um, Ludovic Ajok in the air. Ajok was absolutely bullying Abdelhamid. I think it was eight dwells and Abdelhamid won zero. <laughs> and I remember I just screaming like, Yo, just get um, Axel to go at this guy. Obviously, Vita <laughs> Jok is a monster in the air, but so is Disassi. So, Disassi has won um, to 58% of his duels this season, 2.8 per game, and aerial duels, that is. And he's just a monster in the air. And if you, if you watch many of his games, you see when, how he just absolutely bullies opposition, you know, attackers. He just gets in there and just, you know, puts his body in there and then the person just flies away or something. So he's, <laughs> he's, that's one of his great qualities. He's very, he, he reads the game very well. He anticipates certain situations. But of course, 
sometimes he's he has the propensity or the tendency to step out of the defensive line to you know mm. attack attack a ball which which can be very very risky i'm sure you're thinking of mustafi at this point because that's pretty <laughs> much what mustafi does and arsenal fans are probably thinking okay are we getting another mustafi well i personally i think mustafi is i mean just to clarify for any <laughs> arsenal fans listening Clinton has a very high opinion of, of Mustafi, so <laughs> this is not a degrading remark on, on these Aziz. And, uh, you know, I'm willing to defend Mustafi yeah. as well, but maybe I, I don't I don't want to take that. <laughs> I don't want to get into that well, argument right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say, though, um, what the, the, the reason why Mustafi always gets into so much trouble is because he likes to go to ground easily. That is and true. that's because he knows that he's a good tackler. But um, Sassi, when he does go to ground, his timing is actually pretty good. He, he actually times his tackles very well, but he doesn't rely on that. I think he relies more on his physicality when he's standing. So, like, if if there's a situation around the, the goal and he needs to, you know, get rid of, of the ball or something, he usually just steps in and guides the player away or something. There are a few times when he goes to ground and clears the ball, and it's really, really risky. But most times, I think he's he's more inclined to just step in there and physically just bully the player away from the ball. Mm-hmm. So it's it's less risky. He's not it's not as much of a risk taker as Mustafi. The place where I think he takes a lot of risks is when he goes to head a ball, because um you know when when teams are coming with long balls towards the Rhymes area, he just attacks the ball. He likes to attack the ball in the air. And you know that the risk is in not winning the ball. Because once you don't win it, you stepped out of your defensive line and yeah. you could put the rest of the defense in trouble. So I think that's where he needs to improve. He needs to reduce his tendency to do that, like to just attack a ball. Because once he sees it, he's going. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't really like to I, I, maybe it's part of the way they've been trained to defend that okay, you don't want the ball to land most times, because once it lands then there can be some problems. So he likes to step out and do that. And sometimes when he picks up the ball, you know how um, I'll, I'll compare it with Maguire, Harry Maguire, because everyone okay. does that. <laughs> Maguire does that a lot, where he just picks the ball and starts going, and he forgets that he's a centre back. I think it happens. Starts with running sometimes. forward with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it happens. I've, I've seen Sassi in the attacking third <laughs> with the ball. <laughs> I'm wondering what's this guy doing here? Like, just go back. <laughs> Well, I mean, he's very. It shows that he's very confident in, you know, his ability to hold on to the ball and move with it. And he also, you know, plays a lot of long balls as well, diagonals towards the the fullbacks. He plays from the right, so um, you have Conan and um, Kamara, Asan Kamara, down the left. So most times he just plays those diagonals them, and he has a 50% success rate, which mm-hmm. isn't bad at all. And so, and that's an important point, really, because. One of the specific specificities of, of you know Stade de Reims's style, they're a defensive yeah. team, but they're not you know they don't refuse to play with the ball and they're they're very good playing out from the back. Yeah, and, you know that that's demanding for for Dizazi and, and his position, and he I think he has a ten, I mean he he lives up to it quite well. He's able to to pass around comfortably and and play yeah. long when he needs to. Finding for uh, you know finding a teammate and so on. Um, I think there's definitely something interesting there in, in, in his passing quality as well. Yes, 
Um, uh, now, what was I going to say next? Um, yeah, on the subject of, of comparing him to Arsenal defenders, <laughs> well, you, you cited Maguire. Where I was... I, I was sort of thinking about Mertesacker uh, on that one because Mertesacker also used to do that thing where he just runs with the ball. He wouldn't, <laughs> you know, try to dribble anyone, but if there was space, he would go into it. Just attack sure. space, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think he's he's kind of similar to Mertesacker in his anticipation and reading of the game because we know yeah. that Mertesacker wasn't wasn't the fastest of players and he was supposed to be getting into a lot of trouble because of his lack of pace, but somehow he always made up for it with his ability mm-hmm. to read the game and anticipate situations and just be at the right place at the right time. I think Axel has that in him. He's he's always very capable of, you know, reading the game properly and knowing when when to be at a certain place. So even though I mean he's he's a very tall guy. He's huge. He's six three mm. and he's he- heavy as well. So sometimes he might it might look awkward trying to run. But which is why it's very important for that he, he has that sense of positioning and anticipation and his reading of the game is just excellent. Mm-hmm. So he's able to make up for whatever lack of pace he doesn't have. No, I agree. I, I don't think he's the most mobile guy, but I don't. That's not really a problem problem for him, you know, unless you're playing him at, at fullback, which happened <laughs> a couple of times <laughs> and it wasn't and the best idea. Yeah. <laughs> the most recent news before the Arsenal uh, story was well the, okay there was transfer news and there was other let's start with this uh in early march he was called up by the drc uh to become a congolese international i mean he was part of a of a a lot a pre-selection so you know 28 man squad instead of 23 for the international matches in march which obviously didn't happen um but we don't do we know if he accepted the call up or does he, you know, no, does he have a hope have to play a, for France? I have a feeling he's going to play for the DRC, actually. Mm. Because um, I did see an old article from around 2017 where it was it was kind of insinuated that his father is still very much, um, is still very close to his homeland in um, mm. DRC. Um, they are from... Kinshasa in DRC, which is like the the capital of DRC, and the place where um, Axel's father comes from is 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 a town that still needs a lot of like um, that still has a lot of issues. So the father still like tries to connect with that and tries to you know sort out those situations. So that that um, um, should I say affiliation that that close affiliation could kind of swing it for him also i mean i i figured that his father would have passed it on to him like okay you still have you know a duty to your you know native land or something so it's very very likely or possible that you know he he would feel that same connection so Mm. and he's already 22 the chances of being called up to france or to the french national team also i mean i mean obviously (laughs) he's he's been standout but the competition is is exactly It's like Arsenal. There's a lot of people there already. <laughs> exactly. So he he might just figure that it's best to just. I mean, it, it's happening with um, Ajok as well, Ludovic Ajok. I think he's been he's been called up to the um, what, what's his country, Madagascar, Madagasi team as well. Is he really? And, yeah, he's been I thought he was from I think, from Réunion. 
which is in France. I mean, they also have their own team, I think, Réunion. Um, yeah, but he, he, has, um, he has, he's of African descent anyway. So he's he's been, I think he's Madagascar, yeah. So he's, he's he's been called up, but he has not, I don't think he has accepted yet. They tried to call him up some years back and he did not follow through with that. But now he's, is is thinking about it. So I think in the end that that could happen to Sassi as well. He's he'll, he'll probably end up in DRC. Mm. Yeah, maybe he's just you know, maybe he doesn't want to play the qualifiers and he's waiting for the <laughs> Afcon to come around, <laughs> like yeah, Andy Dolor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I mean Delor is an African champion now, so <laughs> yes, there's no arguing with that. <laughs> no arguing with that. Yeah. Um, yeah <laughs> right so in terms of transfer news we've discussed that uh you know he might be leaving i mean he essentially it's not necessarily bad news that he doesn't sign a new contract for Reims because of his market value he's pretty much the most valuable player at the club right now um yeah even more so than than Rykovic, who's uh you know a very That's good <season>. Yeah, um, th- there's been a lot of stories. I think in end of 2019, you know, it was rumored that Norwich was approaching him. Uh, but recently, when they keep reported on it, they said that there had been offers in January from uh, Mon- an approach, not necessarily an offer, an approach from Monaco in January that a couple ger- big club, ah, sorry, a couple big German clubs were interested as well, um, and, and obviously the uh, Arsenal connection. Um, I, I want, I mean, we've talked a few, we've mentioned a few things about Arsenal made, you know, one or two quick comparisons to, to Arsenal players, but I think there's a different question uh, that we should talk about with Arsenal. And that's that, um, I mean, I don't know how much this has to do with Dizazi himself, but, you know, signing him won't fix Arsenal's defense. And if you compare Arsenal and Reims and the way each defend. I mean, I don't know what you think about this, Clinton, but you, you see that defense is a part of football, which is not yeah. always correlated to the quality of the individuals and much more I to agree. the collective. I agree. I agree. Um, it, it's what I was always saying about Arsenal when, mm. um, under Una Emery, when everyone was saying, oh, the, all the defenders are bad, sell them. And I remember Gary was saying that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Gary said that they were uncoachable. And I said, no, it's not It's not possible. These guys, it's all about defensive structure. If you bring a manager who knows how to set up a defense, if you give these same players, I mean, if you give Mustafi to Diego Simeone, you see a difference. As far as I'm concerned, I think that's, that's, I think you so, know, yeah. that's the truth. It's completely different because that's someone that knows how to set up a defense and he knows how to use players and make sure. The, the idea is to maximize their strengths and minimize their weaknesses basically so if you don't have a structure that does that if you have a structure that instead exposes them and exposes their weaknesses i mean imagine you stick the sassy into the arsenal defense and then you set him up in such a way that he has to be chasing opposition strikers who are really fast then you have a problem so i mean in the end you need you need a structure it's not about players about the structure so if arsenal have not fixed structure and they sign the Sassi, then you're going to get the same things you've been hearing all along. Oh, it's overrated. Oh, 
um, send him away, sell him, and all of that. If you're signing players and and you you don't have a structure that you know, favors them, they are going to keep having problems, and you're going to make the players look like they're not good enough or they're not adapted to the league. I, I don't believe in league adaptation anyway. I believe in team adaptation. If you adapt to your team well and stem around you, then it doesn't matter who is in the league. As far as I'm concerned, you're going to play and play really well. Obviously, there's also the the the, the idea that um, rhymes are primarily a a strong defensive unit. So when you have that's that's the like flip side. When you have a defense that a defensive structure that maximizes everyone. Now everyone starts looking like you know re- a really good player. Everyone starts looking you know like a world beater when you have that kind of structure. So now when you take out a player from that structure and put him somewhere else where the focus isn't on keeping a defensive unit that is strong before advancing to attack, but now the focus is on holding the ball and something like that, then you start to see them a bit differently because now they might things might look different with them. They, their flaws might start to get optimized and, you know, very, very obvious. And that's when... So that that can be a worry with Sassin now because he's, he's been in a team that are defensively very sound, very strong unit. I mean, he has units beside him. He has Hassan Kamara who racks up crazy numbers in terms of interceptions and tackles, like some of the best in Europe. And you have um, Thomas Fokker as well. And in front of him, you have Chavaler. So it's it's a very, very strong unit. Now, if, you, if you're taking him out of that and putting, putting him in another another team where there's not this, the defensive system is not as strong or defensive structure is not as organized, then um, it, it remains to be seen how he's going to handle that. That's when you now know if he's really like you know up to the task and if he's actually really good or as good as he has looked in the other system so i think that's that's, that's another worry i wholeheartedly agree with with you know everything you just said and if i could yeah. leave uh, my fellow arsenal fans with with you know one thought coming out of this and i mean this is true anywhere but i think it's it, particularly particularly at arsenal we've we've had problems with it, I think, is that Dizazi cannot be the miracle solution, yeah. you know, even hypothetically, if he were to come, just as Saliba will not be, you know, himself the solution. Um, it doesn't come down to one player. It doesn't even come down completely to the manager, just, you know, just who he is or whatever. You know, yeah. it's it's a whole combination of factors which, you know, can be improved and so on. But, you know... It, it looking at it in simplistic or essentialist ways, um, it well, can be hurtful, I think, for I us, think anyways. Still, yeah, but I think it's still important to point out that um, players like Saliba, who I love so much, and Sassi, who I also love, mm-hmm. have certain qualities, exceptional qualities, it is, yeah, that make them objectively good defenders. So it's just about the manager, in this case, Ateta, now using those qualities. Mm-hmm. to the best, maximizing them and making sure that it's just the strengths that are maximized and not the weaknesses. I think that's that's what now matters because normally I think the Sassi has fantastic qualities. I think he's an excellent defender. I think he has he's a very, very intelligent guy and he has great reading of the game. He's physically very imposing and in fact he's a bully physically and <laughs> also in 
Yeah. Objectively, he's a great defender, but now it depends on how the how someone like Ateta uses him and how how the system around him is to maximize that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think you know. I think we've gone over everything we had to say. Uh, it's been a, a very interesting discussion. Thanks a lot, Clinton. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was great having you on. Thank you for listening. 